The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water, Global Warming, and Your Health, and Your Own Personal Environmental Lifestyle Choices of Education. The show each week, for well over two years now, has been offering you a choice to listen to what might be something you have already heard of but had forgotten or something new. And we try to bring, try to bring you the special guests from all over the United States and soon the world on teaching you more about certain things that are offering you certain health issues and discussions that are maybe confusing. We are always hearing something new or a different direct a, a different way to tell it and it becomes very startling to all of us that, that maybe we don't understand as an intelligent as we all may be and as information as we all may collect it seems like the writers and people providing the information are changing the story quite often, and it becomes very confusing. We all know that water is critical and that water is the life of all Earth, and without it, there is no life. Without water on the surface of the Earth, there is no moisture in the air. There is no life. Each week, my special guests offer unique insights to provide listeners with education that could be life-altering and even life-saving for your own personal choices. For more information to help you develop this personal lifestyle, we invite special guests in for you to listen to and offer you another idea, another reminder. We even have doctors that are part of our lives that I've known for years that forget about certain things they need to remind themselves because they're so close to the subject they forget about their own self, their own diagnoses, their own symptoms. Today we have Dr. Marguerite McDonald from Long Island, New York, who's a corneal specialist, cataract and refractive eye surgeon, ophthalmolo- and she's part of the ophthalmolic consulting team of Long Island clinic at, in Long Island as a clinical professor of ophthalmology. She's been at Tulane University uh, School of Medicine in New Orleans and a senior consultant for Viasix. She uh, today is going to be discussing dry eyes, the cause and diagnosis and treatment, and I am also going to talk to her about children. Our second guest is John Salinas from Oregon, a full-time instructor at Rogue Community College. He's on the board of directors for Crater Lake Institute and also will be discussing freshwater research. And we'll, So we have a real good show this week. Listen carefully and you will learn a lot for your own personal lifestyle choices. We're going to listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. McDonald. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. 
the World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Dr. McDonald, are you with us? I am, Sharon. How are you? Fine. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you, and I know how busy you are, and I'm not going to miss a second um, of that valuable time you're giving us. Um, I want the listeners to know that you've traveled the world and you've been a consultant all over the world, and you've been one of the first doctors to perform LASIK, and you've been a professor of ophthalmology, and you also do a lot of research. Today we're going to discuss something that's been going on and a discussion for a long time, the two words, dry eye. And, you know, it's so confusing to people, Dr. McDonald, because you'll talk to even some doctors and they'll say, well, I don't have a dry eye, but they're still wearing glasses. And I want to ask you, what is the symptom that originates with dry eye? And we'll discuss that, and then we'll go into what the dehydration means of dry eye. Sure. Well, dry eye uh, condition means that someone has tears that are deficient in volume or quality or both. And it's extremely common. It's estimated that at least 10% of the current U.S. population suffers from dry eye and that 9 million people, 6 million women and 3 million men, have advanced effects of dry eye. Also, we know that dry eye impacts women more frequently than men and is more common as we age. And um, the symptoms uh, are many, and not everyone has all of these, but they include fluctuating vision, I mean vision that fluctuates literally second to second, burning, stinging, redness, uh, eye fatigue, mild itching, uh, and some people actually have a paradoxical tearing in mid to late afternoon. And it's hard to convince people who have tearing in the afternoon that they have dry eyes, but that's because if you don't have enough of the baseline tears, your eyes finally get so dried out during the course of the day that the emergency tears have to show up. So um, excessive tearing late in the afternoon uh, or early evening is uh, a hallmark of dry eye. So your vision goes, your eyes go on overload. In other words, they're having to pull out as much moisture from the air and inner within the body. To, they're overloading to try to uh, store up on what you don't have enough of is enough water in the tear ducts. Absolutely. And Another uh, key. I'm trying to keep common sense for the listener too, so they can understand. I think a lot of it, doctor, is a lot of people don't understand. As intelligent as we, they get all the information. They try to listen to the description of the what the doctor is describing, but the tear ducts and the water and and the overload and backing up storage is like that when you swell in your ankles or your hands. It's because you're not you're dehydrated. Uh, you're, you're having the body's having to overstore to keep you from losing it all. It backs up. Exactly. The, um, so these symptoms, oh, I forgot to mention a very important one, redness. This can impact uh, a patient's personal life and their professional life. If you have red eyes due to dry eye, your boss may think that you're abusing drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. you, you look exhausted. Actually, you feel exhausted, too, and it can all be misinterpreted as um, a drug or alcohol abuse problem. So there are many reasons why dry eyes should be treated. And extremely severe cases can go on to corneal ulceration, scarring, and loss of vision. Mm -hmm. Now, when a person's constantly rubbing their eyes, 
uh, let's say they're, especially men, uh, people who don't wear cosmetics, you're rubbing your eyes very frequently. Does that do anything to the eye when you rub it too frequently? It's, it's bad for the eye, actually. People rub their eyes usually for two reasons. Dryness is the most common reason, and allergies. Mm-hmm. And when you rub your eyes, you actually release um, some chemical compounds from the cells that make your eyes even more uncomfortable. They, they burn even more. They're even more fatigued. So uh, it's better to put a, if, if you must touch your eyes, put a cold washcloth gently on your closed lids, but don't rub. It's better to address the original problem that's causing you to want to rub your eyes, which is the treatment of dry eye or allergy. Or apply nature shears, the eye mist, an all-natural eye mist, to be able to absorb and, and let the moisture level and the humidity absorb into the eye. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's actually it's one of my favorite treatments because it's one of the few things that you can apply while you're driving. You can add more moisture to your tear like and improve your comfort and your vision while you're driving. I'm a surgeon. I can have someone mist me while I'm operating. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing a long case and my eyes are tired, I can be sprayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you're, if you're driving and you're trying to put in a traditional artificial tear, you have to pull over to the side and wait for the blurring to pass. There's no blurring with, with this uh, formulation, and um, it's, it's been a godsend. I know, I know taxi drivers. I know um, hairstylists. Their hands are filled with dye and goo, and they'll turn to someone and have an assistant mist them with nature's tears, I miss. And it's, it's been a tremendous... I have to tell you a story one time about a year ago, doctor. I, my switchboard called and said, you've got to answer this. You've got to take this call. You've got to take this call. And I said, really? It's a doctor on the freeway in Los Angeles. So I took the call, and he said, Sharon, I've got to tell you. And he told me who he was, and he had met, met me at one of the conferences, and he was an ophthalmologist. And he said, in, on the freeway in Los Angeles, going home, the back-to-back freeway, the, the pollution is so bad because of fumes from the traffic and all that's going on, and maybe you have the air conditioning going on. And he'd always have to sometimes find his way off the freeway, doctor, to go put some eye drops in because he, it, his eyes were so bad. And this is an ophthalmologist talking. He said, now all I have to do is use nature's tears, I miss. He said, you've saved my life. I, I had to laugh because it is so true. Uh, we've been rubbing. We've been complaining. Uh, like one of our doctors said, uh, Dr. McDonald, that when you get drowsy very easily, you're, you have a dry eye because your eyes are connected to the brain. If you're drowsy too early in the day, if you have a symptom to where you feel like the eyes want to blink too commonly or allergies too commonly, you have a dry eye. Well, you know, dry eye patients almost always go to bed earlier than they would like to. They stop reading at night earlier than they'd like to. They stop watching television. They stop interacting with their families, and they go to bed because they can't keep their eyes open. It's not comfortable, and they're exhausted. Now, we've had some doctors involved through the years that are called... um, um, also take a specialty in the eyelid, the skin around the eye. And um, they have said that they liked Nature's Tears Eye Mist for that area because there had never been anything for the dry skin area of the eyelid and around the eye. So I'm assuming that when you have a dry skin that you may more commonly also have, I don't know, research will tell, that you may have more commonly a uh, dry eye too. Well, as we get older, our skin dries out, our eyes dry out, and of course, the, with the addition of pollution 
And also, most people as they age are on medications, Mm -hmm. virtually every medication to regulate heartbeat, blood pressure, Mm -hmm. to lower cholesterol, to treat depression. Uh, All of those medications, all of those classes of medications exacerbate dry eye. Mm -hmm. So as we live longer and we're all on more and more medicines, dry eye is becoming almost universal. And if you have a symptom um, and diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, Parkinson's, scleroderma, lupus, Sjogren's, some oh, diabetes, diabetes, uh, those, those particular symptoms probably have extreme dry eyes, of course. Those conditions all exacerbate dry eye as well. You're penal. absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, the, the things that, that uh, influence dry eye, just to name a few, Besides age, gender, arthritis, osteoporosis, gout, recent uh, cataract surgery, mm-hmm. contact lens wear, blink disorders, lid disease, nutritional deficiencies, mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. thyroid problems, those are just a few. LASIK surgery, LASIK as wonderful as it is, and uh, I actually had the honor of doing the first laser surgery in the world in 1988. Uh, that exacerbates dry eye for a short time. Mm-hmm. So, do, so does cosmetic surgery around the eyes or the mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are mechanical disturbances. As we get older, most of us start to sleep with our eyes open a little bit at night. That, that's uh, the official name for that is lag ophthalmos. But sleeping with your eyes open a little bit allows them to dry out all night long. The list goes on and on, on and on. On and on. And, of course, we need to drink a ton of water as we age even more than ever in history because of keeping the hydration, uh, because of the dehydration um, of what you just said. I'm going to ask you on uh, a subject, and I'd like to move on to something about children. Uh, On the dehydration of our bodies from the moment we were born, we entered the air we breathed from that delivery room, left a pocket of water, and the eyelid opens, and the the organ of the eye is exposed, exposed from there on as soon as the eyelid is open. Um, and they say no two eyes alike, no two skins alike on this complexion, and no two fingerprints. When we, when we discuss the tear film, do you believe that our world out there, the consumer uh, people out there running around, everybody has two eyes, understand what the tear film's function is, what, what the tear fun- film function is of the eye? No, I don't think uh, most people know much about it. Uh, first the tear film is the most important um, optical surface in the eye. The tear film is more important, has a a greater impact on what we see than the cornea, which is the front part of the eye, or the focusing lens of the eye. It it is the most critical part of the entire optical system. You want to explain the tear film to our listeners, Doctor, because when I was interviewing through the years, it is amazing how often a patient goes to a doctor and never even heard the word tear film. And this is a good time to educate uh, the listeners about the tear film's function. Not only that, it uh, has many beneficial compounds in it that protect the eye against infection. And, of course, the tear film provides um, uh, moisture and food, if you will, for the, many of the surface cells on top of the eye. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the corneal epithelium uh, derives a great deal of nutrition from the tear film. So... It provides good vision, and it provides um, protection against infection and sustenance to the ocular tissues. It gives you immunity protection. Yes. Yeah, and then if it's, if it's dry, what happens to the immunity protection? Well, um, very dry eye patients uh, often get 
infections, corneal ulcerations, where they actually begin to uh, slough mm -hmm. eye tissue. Mm -hmm. So ocular tissue is beginning to actually disappear. It's a very painful condition. It can lead to a full thickness hole in the eye, only in you know, extreme cases, but it can lead to a full thickness hole in the eye and loss of the ocular contents. And all of us who are cornea specialists have seen this. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say a person has uh, very common allergies. Is that because they have a dry eye or that causes the dry eye? Well, allergies are a separate problem, but they are exacerbated by dry eye. If you have allergies and dry eye, then you're, you don't have enough tears to wash away the allergens. Mm -hmm. So all the pollen comes into your eye and sticks to your eye because you don't have enough tears to wash it away. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, dry eye very much exacerbates the allergic uh, conjunctivitis or ocular allergies that we see so commonly, especially in the spring and the fall when the pollen count is high. Mm -hmm. You know, the one thing I found with indoor conditions many years ago when they had an energy crunch and they wanted to save money, and they invented for, uh, insulation windows and walls and forced air heating and cooling, uh, the, the buildings that we're in are so airtight, there's not enough moisture in those buildings any longer and in the homes we're sleeping in. You're absolutely right. Forced air, heating, and cooling has very, very much exacerbated dry eyes. And then there's computer use. When people oh. stare at a computer, the normal blink rate of 20 times a minute goes down to three times a minute, so even a healthy teenager will get a situational dry eye when using a computer for more than a few hours. And, um, you know, that's another great thing about nature's tears eye mist. It's just so easy to keep it near your computer and mist yourself every hour or two to keep your eyes comfortable. And you don't lose a moment with blurring. You, you're right at work. You don't even lose a second. Now, years ago when we were uh, in the, when nature's tears eye mist was coming out, um, uh, I was uh, introduced when the head of IBM at the time. And uh, he said, Sharon, someday there will be a mister next to every single computer because of the eye uh, problems at looking at a screen all day. You know, when I was young, my parents were the one of the first people to ever get TV in our community. We were the first. And I'll never forget my parents saying not to sit close. We had to sit way back to watch television. Now people's eyes are right up against the screen. You know, when we have a severe dry eye patient who uses a computer, we tell them to lower the computer yeah. instead of keeping it straight in front of their eyes to keep it low mm -hmm. down toward the bottom of their chest height so that their eyes are less widely open while they're looking at the screen. So the eyelid is half, half a little ways down over the eye to hold that moisture level and keep from blinking so much. That's right. And then there's a tension and anxiety that goes with all this sitting at a computer. Tremendous. And, uh, you know, the, the combination of the forced air heating, often a ceiling fan, um, in close proximity to others with um, desiccated, uh, unclean air that, ha that is recirculated without air. being filtered, mm -hmm. and the decreased blink rate that comes with concentrating on the computer screen, all of that mm -hmm. leads uh, inevitably to an exacerbation of dry eye. Now that you just mentioned the word unclean air, um, uh, because outdoors is bad enough, but indoors you've got all the chemistry and the upholstery and the fabrics, your clothing, your bedding. You can go on and on and on. What you, the, what's not so obvious, I've said to many people, is let's, when your eyelid is open, the organ of the eye is exposed to everything, and it's got to have enough moisture in the air to be able to give it the protection it should have, the immunity protection, the humidity. Well, if I came over and said, okay, let's give you a little slice on the chest and flap the skin open, 
and let your organs breathe, they go, oh, my gosh, you would die. And I said, that's right. The eyes are subjected to by far more than in research has ever uncovered um, with, because the air is so dry and the anxiety of our, of our brain and the eyes connected. And uh, we had Dr. Scott Jens on here one time, and he said, Sharon, the, the prisons are full of people who they didn't catch it in time. Uh, because of the anxiety uh, of life and, and the connection to the eyes and the brain. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, uh, Doctor, and we're going to come back and could we discuss infants' eyesight, the sure. children? I think that's near to your heart, too. And uh, we'll take a moment with our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eye. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. McDonald. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Dr. McDonald? Yes. I would like to discuss um, the infancy, uh, infant. Are there very many, you know, they say the moment the baby is born, within three months the baby should be seeing an um, ophthalmologist, an infancy doctor. And, uh, you know, I've... I will tell you a little story about when I found out when I was pregnant, I, oh, my God, I'm going to have a baby. And I started studying unbelievably everything I could study before the baby was born, uh, this, uh, the nutrition and, and the attitude and uh, skin and everything there was to study, dental and more. But, you know, when I look back, I never had one thing till I had nothing offered to me to learn to take my baby uh, to the doctor soon enough. Uh, well, not say soon enough, but early. Uh, this is something that when I was reading um, for you to come on, and we, they say after the baby is born, take the, the baby to a doctor and have the eyes, an ophthalmologist, checked after three months. Could you talk to us a little bit more about our babies? Sure. Um, first, the best hospitals have a pediatric ophthalmologist who makes rounds on the newborns mm-hmm. <clears throat> looking for a rare but deadly cancer called retinoblastoma that can be already in an advanced stage in newborns, looking for cataracts. One out of every 250 live births results in a child with a partial cataract or a complete cataract. Now, do we repeat that again? Out of every 250? One out of every 250 children has a partial or complete cataract. Most of the time, thank goodness, it's a partial cataract way off in the periphery away from the line of sight. But sometimes it's right over the line of sight and it needs immediate attention, immediate surgical now attention, have, or the yeah, child that, will lose sight. That, that 250 has got to be very surprising to all the listeners because that's two out of every baby, at 250 babies, there could be a possible cataract. Deficiency. Yes, but now most of the time it's not 
sight-threatening. It it'll be off. The opacity in the natural crystalline lens of the eye isn't dead center. Mm-hmm. It's a little off-center, which allows the child to grow up and have normal vision in both eyes. And then later on, in the 40s or 50s, that little peripheral cataract will grow. But sometimes it's dead center, and that baby uh, has, is going to lose the sight, useful sight in that eye if it's not found and addressed quickly. Mm-hmm. So, and also crossed eyes and a number of other things are apparent immediately after birth. So some of the very best hospitals, most of them, have the babies checked in the neonatal unit even before they go home. Sometimes the parents aren't even aware that that has occurred. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really great. Um, but for sure, babies at three months of age should have an eye exam. There are all sorts of problems that can be addressed more successfully if the, the small infant is brought to an ophthalmologist and diagnosed appropriately. Now, when you said that uh, a lot of the babies are checked without the maybe family knowing, I think the family should be uh, know that there is an um, ophthalmologist, pediatric ophthalmologist, checking the baby in the hospital before it goes home, so that then when they go home, they've got a habit started to start looking at the baby and learning how to detect whether the baby is dilating correctly every moment of the day when they're changing the diaper, or talking to the baby, uh, to the baby, or singing to the baby. Um, could you discuss how the people sure. could think about that? Because um, we look at it to know we've, we're learning a lot, and this is what this show is about. Let's learn together. What, let's have an environmental, personal lifestyle together. And eyesight, Dr. McDonald, has been so overlooked and taken for granted like water. In other words, it's there. Um, the eyelid is open. Uh, you're looking at the person's eyes, but you forget the health of the eyes. There's been less education about the health of the eyes than probably any organ of our body. Yes, and um, I just want to mention also that, of course, hospitals don't hide it from the young parents that the baby's just been examined. They're proud that they have a pediatric ophthalmologist checking all the babies, but it usually gets lost in the shuffle. Okay. The young couple is taking the baby home, and they're listening to a million different things, and they kind of, you know, the the fact that the baby's eyes were checked kind of gets (laughs) lost in the shuffle. Lost in the shuffle. Uh, But um, amongst all the the happiness and excitement. But anyway... um, the uh, children are exposed to different things now than they were 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Uh, there are more pollutants in the air, and they go back to homes with a lot of um, synthetic materials in them. 100 years ago, there weren't all the synthetic materials inside the homes that we have now. So even though traditionally dry eye gets worse with the passage of time, it is becoming an issue in younger and younger people, including children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nature's Tears Mist Eye Mist is a great thing for children. I had to tell you a story recently. You'll get a kick out of this one. Two doctors ran into each other, and this is a true story. And this one doctor said, they get to talking about how long they've known each other, and he noticed the other doctor had Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and you're going to laugh because this was just recently. And the doctor said, oh, my gosh, you have Nature's Tears Eye Mist. My six-year-old won't go without it. And uh, that is the key to starting out young with educating eyes. In other words, if you don't, ha- you have a toothbrush to, to so simple to determine. Uh, hopefully, you won't have um, decay because the toothbrush will help that. You've got lip balm uh, for the dry lips. You've got skin creams. You've got hair care. You've got all these things. People have never had doctor anything to remind them of maintaining a supplement to the eyes. 
and history. Yes, and, and you know, Sharon, for moderate to severe dry eyes, there are prescription medications like Restasis, mm-hmm. but the, one of the foundations of dry eye treatment at the mild, moderate, or severe level is replacement of the tear film, and th- this is critical no, no matter uh, what level of disease the patient has, and um, uh, I must so say my simple. patients so love simple. nature's tears I missed, and, you know, it's no preservatives, non-blurring. It's been a tremendous addition to well, our armamentarium. We're back to the toothbrush and the simple lip balm and the skin cream and the hair care and eating the proper foods. There's a maintenance of supplement. Now, with back to infancy, when the, when the baby is born and they're taken home and they, they've had a checkup, when do you think the next time the, the, the family should stop and think about on their little log, uh, start a log of what they're doing for the baby, and when they go to the doctor the next time, have the doctor check the eyesight and check out this, if it's dilating okay? Well, um, there is that important three-month checkup, mm-hmm. and um, it's important to call in advance to find out whether the office examines children. Not every ophthalmologist or optometrist will take um, mm-hmm. infant or children as patients. So... Um, Ideally, a pediatric ophthalmologist is the way to go, but many general or comprehensive ophthalmologists will also see infants and do that basic exam. Then at that exam, the doctor will give guidance. The doctor will say, oh, I think this child is becoming farsighted or nearsighted. I want to see him or her again in three months. Or might say, just see you at a year or see you in two years. It all depends on on, uh, what they find at the three-month exam. Mm -hmm. Now, is there a particular nutrition that you've learned because I know a lot of doctors are learning some new key ideas of uh, hints that we had overlooked that are very important to, uh, yes, proper sleep, proper maintaining the moisture level of the air if we humidify uh, the, around the eyes, but also now nutrition has becoming uh, something important. When the baby is young and they're starting to get the baby into their particular nutrition diets, is there anything that you've learned or heard of that people should concentrate on making sure the baby gets enough of besides drinking water uh, that is important to their diets? It's important that uh, children as adults get enough omega-3 fatty acids mm-hmm. and omega-6. Mm-hmm. And uh, the best way is to incorporate uh, products with flaxseed or flaxseed oil mm-hmm. uh, and salmon, cold water fish, salmon oil, mm-hmm. And uh, the combination of long and short-chain omega-3 fatty acids not only is good for the treatment of dry eyes and prevention of dry eyes, Mm -hmm. it's good for your skin, Mm -hmm. it's great for your heart, it usually drops people's cholesterol level by 30 to 40 points. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, besides the treatment and prevention of dry eyes, it it is fantastic for overall health. People with a high uh, percentage of omegas in their diet are found to live longer uh, and have a better quality of life because they have less arthritis, less dry eyes, and healthier hearts. Mm-hmm. What are some of the uh, symptoms in men? You know, we have a lot of men that can find fascination with the simpler of, of uh, humidifying the eyes with nature's eyes. What are you finding some of the uh, different uh, 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 symptoms of men? Because men will over, you, you, we can say that more commonly women get a complaint about dry eye, that men don't complain maybe is like women do. They don't go searching for what they can do to solve a problem. Are some symptoms, what are some of the symptoms that men need to look at that maybe we're going to repeat again, but that men should be aware of? 
Well, men also have uh, burning and stinging. They have many of the same symptoms, but often their symptoms uh, come on later in, in life. Not always. We do have teenage boys with severe dry eyes, but in general, it's the hormonal changes that women undergo. In, even in their 20s, mm-hmm. uh, the cyclical changes every month, and, of course, if they're on birth control pills, that exacerbates dry eye. And even though menopause hits uh, women on average at age 52, perimenopause starts at 38. But nevertheless, men have symptoms too. And usually theirs are worsened by the pills that they're on. Uh, men in general tend to be on more of those pills. Do you, find, pills that men have more al- Do you find that men have more allergies than women? Um, it has been suspected in the past, but uh, never proven. Okay. But um, perhaps it's because so many men work outdoors. Okay. And uh, there are many more men working outdoors as construction workers, et cetera, and so they have more intense exposure to the allergens, the pollen and Our the rag. drivers and our different occupational health, uh, um, the, what's happening in occupational health is probably causing more men to have a dry eye without them saying, I have a dry eye. Well, yes, and that's the interesting thing. Men and women often don't realize that their symptoms are, are caused by dry eye. Right. They just know they have, and a lot of people think, well, of course my eyes are uncomfortable, the rest of my body is uncomfortable, I'm getting older. They think that they should just accept the way their eyes feel, and that's simply not the case. You know, Marguerite, you, you, I mean, Dr. McDonald, I, I, I call, excuse me, audience. Um, call me Marguerite. Yeah. <laughs> You'd like. <laughs> I started to laugh because um, of aging. Uh, it is so funny because whenever I have a symptom, I always turn to people and say, please don't blame it on my aging. Yeah. <laughs> and, you it's, know, people do. They want to find an excuse that uh, this is happening because I'm aging, and maybe it's not because you're just aging. Maybe you're, you should have all along been noticing that some of these symptoms are coming on you because you're not watching your diet, you're not drinking plenty of water, you're not getting um, the proper rest, and that was something else. We've had shows when we talked about sleep and rest, going to bed and getting adequate sleep, rest, and how to go to bed, doctor. It, people a lot of times will be wound up and go to bed rather than unwind and go to bed. And uh, you're saying today, too, is that the eyesight is your whole life. Without healthy eyesight, you can become drowsy. You cannot be functional. Um, The ideas of uh, being, can you imagine our first responders, what they're up against out there uh, with the anxiety and all that's going on, and what are they doing to keep up with with the perfect eyesight so they don't get drowsy and 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 the allergies and what goes with not able to see and be functional because your eyes must function for you to be healthy, mentally yeah. healthy too. You're mentally. absolutely right about the uh, impact of sleep deprivation on dry eye. Your eyes have to be closed a certain number of hours to recover and rehydrate. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, most Americans uh, don't get the required number of hours of sleep. Eight is ideal. Seven is borderline not enough and most Americans get somewhere between five and six and so you the number one best thing to do would be to change your sleep habits but in the absence of that if someone's going to uh, continue to be sleep deprived then they must 
make extra effort to replenish their tear film. And what, uh, what, maybe we should mention, too, there's, as you mentioned, the hours of sleep. What about these people who go home after being at a computer all day? working, and they go home and make a recreational computer uh, during the night, and they're not going to bed until 2 o'clock in the morning. I know. As a matter of fact, uh, the recreational use or the personal use of the computer uh, has turned a lot of people into insomniacs, and that's just really not good for any of your organ systems, but especially your eyes. Mm-hmm. Now, have you had, before we are done today, have you had a, very many cases so far, and we've ran into it, of people who had disabilities and they could not use the computer any longer because they overdid themselves? In other words, they found themselves being disabled. They could not sit at the computer any longer. Is that coming, becoming more common? Uh, yes. I see people with um, extreme dry eyes who are not following their, their doctor's recommendation Mm-hmm. Um, either, you know, for whatever reason, and uh, who are incapacitated and simply cannot uh, use their eyes eight hours a day and be fully employed uh, by a company and who go on disability. Yes, I have seen that. That is slowly but surely increasing in frequency. Mm-hmm. Now, on some of the articles that people could read about dry eyes, are there anything in particular that you would like to lead them to and to studying uh, so they can go in and after the show today learn more about some uh, dry eye and maybe they could see, well, maybe I do have a symptom. Uh, they're reading and, oh, my gosh, I, have a, I do get drowsy too early in the day or um, I'm, uh, I did find myself getting a little more anxiety. I'm a believer, doctor, that a lot of your anxiety, uh, people's anxiety, is based on the fact that they're very uncomfortable. Uh, with the uh, the eyes maybe are too dry, and we haven't detected enough of that. I think research will prove in time what Dr. Scott Jens has said, the anxiety connected to the brain and the eyes are by far more to research than they've looked at in the past. Um, people uh, have taken their eyes for granted, which is just its very frightening to me. I stop to think about it. And uh, years ago when I was introduced to this by a group of researchers out of Florida way back, many years, and I was so surprised that there was no real education offered. Is there a place to go on the yes. Internet? Yes, there are um, some really good websites. Uh, one from the American Academy of Ophthalmology is www.getismart.org. Get I smart. I like that E-Y-E-S-M-A-R-T, getismart.org. I like that one. That's a very, very good one. And um, it covers uh, dry eye as one of the five major diseases that increase in frequency with age. Lots now, of information on there. Why do they call that a disease? Why do they call dry eye a disease? Uh-huh. A lot of people ask me that, and I have never been able to answer that. Well, um, it really is a disease because um, dry eye involves a localized autoimmune reaction. Okay. In the lacrimal gland. Okay. So it truly qualifies as a disease. I mean, it's a very qualifies. prevalent disease. Okay. okay. So there, there are actual, uh, there's actual ocular pathology that can be found on biopsy. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the example. Okay. And now on infant vision, uh, there's the one for infancy, uh, I-N-F-A-N-T-C-E-E, infancy. You can go to infancy. Um, uh, on .com and look up that for children. Do you have one for children that you'd like to recommend? Well, um, if they go to the Academy website, 
the American Academy of Ophthalmology, www.aao.org, or they can go through getisemart.org, and they can find their way to the link about children. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I don't think we really covered a lot. <laughs> you sure did, Sharon. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I really I, I appreciate the invitation. Mark and Mar- Dr. McDonald, I guess our other guest has not come on yet. Is there, while they're waiting for that guest to come on, would you like to close with telling us a little bit about something that you think everybody should be recognizing about their eyesight? Well, yes. The American Academy of Ophthalmology... Uh, less than a year ago, came out with new guidelines. Uh, If you are 40 years of age or older, you should have an annual dilated eye exam by an IMD, an ophthalmologist, Mm -hmm. because the five diseases associated with age that increase in frequency with age start to spike in incidence after age 40. So now... If you have a previous history of eye disease or a strong family history of glaucoma or macular degeneration, then your doctor may advise you to come in more frequently than once a year and may have you start earlier in your life. But dry eye, uh, cataract, glaucoma, macular degeneration, and diabetic maculopathy are all common with the passage of age. They're incredibly common, and all those things are much more successful. They're much more successfully treated when they're caught early. Mm-hmm. So go see your IMD at least once a year for a full dilated eye exam. By the way, people are terrified of dilation. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people can drive safely after they're dilated. The, uh-huh. the drops wear off in four to six hours. The only thing is it's a little bit hard to see small print for four to six hours, but you can see just fine to drive, so you don't need to have someone with you for your dilated eye exam. That was a good closure because that was something we, that people need to – I, I really do talk uh, mention personal environmental decisions, uh, lifestyles. In other words, take care of your eyes and don't take them for granted. Well, I want to thank you for being with us. It was very nice talking to you, and I don't think we missed a cue for people to learn a lot today. Uh, I agree. I hope everyone uh, takes this advice to heart. It's been my pleasure to participate today. Thank you, and you have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye, Sharon. I really believe your eyes are your life, and I hope you don't ever take them for granted. It's a lifestyle, and um, you can look at your skin and be concerned. You can look at your uh, nutrition. You can understand your hair care. You can make sure the engine of your car is working to get you to your appointments, but what about your eyesight? Your eyesight is vital to your whole attitude. It is vital, and I cannot express to you. I've been in research in the eyes for several years now, not anywhere in the area of Dr. McDonald and others like her, but I will tell you it's way overlooked and there's not enough education, so I hope you found this valuable. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears Eye Mist, and we're going to be right back with John Salinas, and we're going to learn more about freshwater and research. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with John. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. 
All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. John, are you with us? Yes, good morning. Well, it's nice to talk with you, and thank you for joining us today. I was You're really welcome. excited about this. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Well, <clears throat> Sharon, I've been a, a lake researcher, a limnologist since 1984 or and they so. They call working it a limnologist. Lim, a limnologist. Well, limnology is the study of freshwater instead of uh-huh. oceanography, which okay. would be the study of saltwater. So if you think of water on this planet, it's either going to be in the ocean, you know, lakes, rivers, streams, groundwater, and I'm more interested in the freshwater resources of the planet. Good for you, because I'm very, um, I've been in water research like this, uh, what I'm doing for many, many, many years. Oh, terrific. I chose, John, to go into another direction, (laughs) portable device because of the dry air. Oh, all right. Causing uh, a dryness to the body and the organism to function. Um, So you've dedicated your time to this for how long? Well, since 1984, I was working with the National Park Service at Crater Lake National Park and got interested in the study of Crater Lake itself, 2,000 feet deep almost, the deepest lake in uh, the United States. Let's tell our listeners worldwide, how deep is the lake again? Oh, it's almost 2,000 feet deep. Oh, my. And it was, uh, it's been terrific to work on the lake. We call it um, oceanography in a teacup because oh. we have to handle all the heavy equipment, but we're not out in the ocean. Uh-huh. And so, uh, so studying the lake, looking at conductivity and temperature and pH, the organisms that live there, the zooplankton, the phytoplankton, and in 1988 and 1989, actually being in a one-man submersible going to the bottom of that lake. Oh, you were one of those. Well, I didn't take the sub to the bottom of the bottom. I took it for a short ride down to about 100 feet. And it, <laughs> the, the strange thing about that sub, oh. Sharon, was that it was a one-man sub. So when they oh. locked you in there, you had to know how to go up and down and up around. Up and down. <laughs> so, and I was and you actually... You hoped that you would hit the 2,000. <laughs> so I was actually in there, and I remember my mom saying, did they make you do that, or did you want to do that? And, and I said, Mom, I wasn't in a sub. I was in a lake because it was a 360-degree oh. view just about through this acrylic sphere and it was just just incredible what is the average temperature of crater lake well you know the top can get up to 17 celsius maybe up to 65 degrees fahrenheit Mm -hmm. but the bottom is typically three degrees celsius about um maybe 34 degrees fahrenheit so the bottom is you know constantly cool uh-huh. So now the strange thing about temperature, though, since you asked, is the very bottom does actually get warm because we're in a volcano, and uh-huh. there is warm water coming up from below. So that's that's what led to a lot of interesting discoveries of what the bottom of Crater Lake actually looks like. Now let's tell the world, you know, about uh, Crater Lake is absolutely one of the most wonders of the world because to me, right. John, right. it's the color. Yes. I mean, audience all over the world, I want you to hear this. I have seen this. It looks like an inkwell of blue. Yes. And it fades over to the shore into a powder blue. Right. Very, very dark blue. When you're looking at it, you think it's a mirage. You cannot believe it is a real, real water. It's, It's 
it's blue. Right. It's blue is blue, blue. Can be. <laughs> so, so using instruments that measure the color, the, the wavelength of that color is 478 nanometers. And when people ask me what my favorite color is, I say 478. So they, <laughs> they know what color I like. Well, and but, then, John, when it gets closer to the shore... Right. I don't know how many feet away from the shore, it turns to the most gorgeous powder blue. Right, right. And that's the shallow, you know, yeah. when it's shallow, you don't get that yeah. deep blue of the pure water. And the, the strange thing also, Sharon, is the, the first reports of what the color was were uh, connected with copper sulfate, which is a blue chemical chemists use in the laboratory. Mm-hmm. And they would say, if you mix this chemical at this concentration, you'll see kind of what the color is. And I've had people out on, on the lake say, well, the, the color of the lake's blue because of the copper in the, in the lake, isn't it? <laughs> and, of course, they're good chemists, but they're terrible physicists because when you have very, very pure water, what I mean is no sand and no dirt and no leaves, you know, nothing organic or inorganic mm-hmm. in the water, water absorbs its own spectrum of colors and reflects its own or transmits its now, own does spectrum. That, does that like, you know, um, sure. and I'm very novice compared to you, so yeah. I'm not smart. I have to study everything I do. So anyway, in, uh, does that lake constantly recycle itself with a hydraulic? It does. It That's does. what I was going to say. It just dawned on me for the first time in all the years I've been studying water. I bet that from what you just said, yeah. it has to have a hydraulic of constant recycling. Right, and, and some lakes, you know, it could be one or two or three years depending on water okay. leaving the lake and water coming into the okay. lake from the watershed. And it's so deep. But Crater Lake is, um, I think, I, I'm trying to say 90% of the watershed is the lake itself, and only 5% of the caldera wall, the, the fallen volcano, mm-hmm. adds to that. So there's only about mm-hmm. 5% of the water that gets into the lake that actually hits the earth first. Okay. Most of the water goes right into the lake. And, and like you said, it's when very When you say deep. recycle into the lake, it means it's, it's, it's hitting that bottom and coming back up again like, like a hydraulics. Right, right. Well, um, and then we think that there's only two ways out. One is yeah. evaporation and the other one is seepage. Yeah. And I, I forget it's 60-40. It may be 60% evaporation, 40% seepage. But mm-hmm. because of that... Uh, the evaporation would cause the salts to increase in the water, mm-hmm. but the percolation or the seepage would cause the water to be refreshed, you know, getting rid of the salts as more fresh rainwater comes in. And we think that the, the life cycle or the time that the water is in the lake is close to 500 years mm. is what we think. So it takes about 500 years. Now, if you years. Put your, dipped your finger in the water and you tasted it, what would, would it taste like a, a little salt or not would it just all. be fresh water? No, okay. Not at all. Very, very clear. There's, there's other lakes. If you tested the salt in distilled water, Water, our conductivity instruments would give us a three or a four micromoles per centimeter. Mm-hmm. Crater Lake is about three times what other lakes in the area are. So we'll get a 30 at Diamond Lake or a 30 at Lake of the Woods, mm-hmm. and Crater Lake is almost 100, and that's because of the salts coming from the volcanic um, water that's coming in below. But it's, it's much higher than you would expect for a mountain lake in this area, and it's because it's a volcanic lake. It's, it's right. sitting right and over the one of the, the wonders chamber. of the world, they call it. Now, <laughs> you've been in, and I'm hoping we can do a show with you again <laughs> because I lost about five minutes today uh, because of, uh, we, they didn't think you were on yet. <laughs> and I, this is so important to me. And, I, you know, the name of the show here is Thank you. Power of Water and Global Warming and Climate oh Change and Your Health. Yeah. And, you know, I decided, John, that your health and your education is very important to your personal lifestyle choices oh, yeah. about how you live about your health with the air and the waters and, right. and how, what you're learning about nature. Because you're nature. We're nature. Everybody's nature. Right. Uh, so this part of the show has always been important, too. 
Let's discuss the fresh water research you've been doing in several projects. And if we could have another show, because I believe your background is extraordinary. Another thing before we go into that real quickly, um, I want the listeners to know I've heard uh, and read that uh, the stimulus package in the United States that they're putting out funds is going into the community colleges. And, John, I'm one thousandth behind it. Yeah. Um, community colleges in support of youth in all ages going to right. the colleges. Right. So, and John is at the Rogue Community College in Grants Pass. And That's by the right. way, I remember when it was uh, the Job Corps. Get out! That was a while ago. And I, I, I was one of the. I used to go out there and teach health education, and oh, I was one of the founders. Really? In a very my way with Marge Wolfgang. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh, 67 years old. I'm an old timer here. <laughs> anyway, real quickly, let's discuss the fresh water, and then I'd like to have you back another time. Okay. Okay, and uh, tell us a little bit about freshwater research. I've got two minutes left. (laughs) Well, the big deal for me is human contact with freshwater. We're talking about water skiing or swimming in the lakes and the rivers in the area. And one of the things that's happening in this area, probably for the last 20 years, but really popped up on radar in the area, is the toxic green algae blooms that we've been having And so in some of the lakes, uh, we have these algae blooms. Uh, People get close to them or animals get close to them, and they have uh, toxins that can influence the body. Some of them can actually kill people. And so we... Now, when you say toxins that influence the body, obviously influencing the skin. Yes. Uh, And and we we don't want people to think you have to drink it. It's it's influencing the skin. That's exactly right. So, so basically what I'm saying is we're starting um, more than one program of watching lakes, making sure that the, the algae that's growing in the lake is not going to uh, produce the toxin, number one, and then number two, if it's an algae that produces toxin, what is the toxin level? And then managers of large lakes in southern Oregon are posting the lakes to okay. be careful to warn people to stay out of the water. And I'm sorry, John, we're going to have to go. And well, I, if we can have our program director call you, sure. we can go on to more of this. Are you sure, going to be sure. around this summer? Yes. Good. Let's do it again. Okay. And because I'd like to educate our listeners worldwide, because that cannot just be uh, a central law. It's got to be worldwide. It's it is it is a problem in many areas. So thank okay. you, thank you for letting thank me talk. Thank you, and thank you for being on with us. And we'll do this again. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, Earth has a secret. Uh, the nature of our Earth on this Earth is because of life, and it's what we offer to each other. And when I say your environmental personal choices, what I mean is is each day you're living with a personal choice to learn more about your environment. Now, environment, a lot of people are misunderstanding. It means the pollution. It means to recycle. It means whatever. And I need to remind you, listeners, environment means the conditions you put around yourself. How are you eating every day? Are you drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water, not liquid, not with lemonade, not with tea, not with coffee, water, just plain water? Are you drinking safe, plain water? Are you getting enough sleep for the eyes to be able to be relaxed and functional? Are you learning more about who you are, your rhythm, what you require for you to feel good, less anxieties? And remember, I call that a personal lifestyle. Your personal environmental lifestyle. Have a fun with it. Be chic. Don't be embarrassed to be chic. Be fashionable. Think about you. You are important. That's why I started this show. I think you're so important that I'm going to tell you everybody has this special moment. Every moment. And there's a love going on, a love affair with all of this planet. 
to care about one another. And the show is about the power of water, your health choices, and your personal lifestyle and environment. So think about it serious. Join the bandwagon. Care. Get up in the morning, put your feet on the floor, and begin. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. And Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint. You are special. We love you. You are that special. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 